heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. You know, in full disclosure to uh, my entire listening audience here, I would tell you up front here, I never really subscribed. You know, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people were talking about depopulation and uh, you know, I thought maybe it was some sort of a video game of some sort. I really wasn't sure what the hell that was all about. But I started hearing people around me in the circles talk about depopulation and then, you know, the Agenda 21 and all of these uh, United Nations kind of programs. And I... I just never really understood or bought into it. Now, I'm just, listen, that's my Surgeon General disclaimer warning, if you will, for the moment here. So I still have a very difficult time, uh, uh, the matter. And I would imagine, I'm gonna guess, 90% of you probably feel the same way. I'm, I'm guessing, I could be totally wrong. But I'm, I'm thinking most people would fall in line with what I'm thinking that, you know, is this really, because it, it's so out there, man. I mean, it's it it it's beyond out there. I mean, it, it would make the genocide, the, the Holocaust, uh, this genocide here, it would make the Holocaust seem like a non-event. Um, this sort of a thing that we're talking about now. If we're talking about removing eighty or ninety percent of the population off the planet, uh, and but you know, you 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 start to look at a lot of these stories, and they're they're screwy. I mean, they're so out there. And you, you, you know, and I, I want to start right. I'm going to start in Europe, and then I want to get back to Mansion and talk about uh, the the recent uh, what do they call it? Uh, the uh, inflation. You have to think of the name of that because it's such a stupid name. Everything's an oxymoron. The Inflation Re- Reduction Act that uh, Mansion just put through, which really. You know, a lot of these things, the build back better to a bankruptcy point, that was all about uh, the green energy and a lot of this coming in with the Unity Task Force and Bernie Sanders and uh, just a you know moment to think about that through uh, a Biden. And a lot of this in the Biden campaign is playing to it. But I, but I have some s- serious questions to play out today with you as well. And and also Wallace Garneau will be on with us today as well, just a little bit uh, as well. But let me, let me dial it here a moment and talk about... Uh, Oh, for a moment in Europe here, okay? And I just did a program, if you listened the other day, I just did, we, in fact, I had IQL Rizzuli on. We were just talking about some of the BS that's happening in Europe here. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, with uh, the the fact that with, with, with Russia and uh, with Putin and the fact how stupid the West is, you remember we called that right out as it was, and the fact that now Russia is, you know, they've got him on the other side of this coin here. And uh, we're talking about, I mean, if this is accurate, I mean, and, and we'll know soon enough in the next many months. But, uh, you know, people are forecasting that millions of people will die in Europe uh, over this uh, uh, next period of, well, this winter. So, I mean, that's coming fast now, isn't it? Uh, so we shall see if that transpires, if that's happening. Uh, but right now, the the other point we brought up is the fight back. You know, will they put pre- will Europe and European leaders, European Union, put pressure back on Biden? That's a big question too. And and this administration to be able to you know put this fossil fuel agenda aside, you know, obviously irritating the 
the the lunatics, the alarmists. But you know, there's going to be some some um, friction there. I would say some absolute friction uh, between the Europe, European leaders and those folks and Biden. I mean, if people are li- if they are literally going to be dying, as people are suggesting, then I mean, how do you hide? How do you not cover that in the news? What does that look like six months from now, four months from now, right? I mean, you, you kind of can't avoid those kinds of stories if that's really happening. Now, and then does that become a glimpse of something else that's going to transpire in our world as this thing begins to ramp up? Uh, and then you see this, uh, back to what I was saying a moment ago with Manchin and this uh, Inflation Reduction Act. He surprised a lot of people. I don't know about you, but he, you know, he's playing both sides of this thing. In fact, his quote, listen to what he says here. He says, I can be the hero and the villain all in a 24-hour period. Uh, he was talking, he was at a roundtable discussion and, and mentioned that, you know, he said, nobody in their right mind would go through what I've gone through with my staff for the last eight months, taking all of this crap we've taken from everybody in the country and come back and say, boy, that felt so good. I, I want to do some more of that. Now, that worries me, what he says there, people. That worries me a whole lot because I think what's happened, it tells me, it convinces me that Manchin was strong-armed. I mean, we suspected it clearly, but if you analyze his quotes and his comments there, it's pretty clear that he was strong-armed into signing the on, and he kind of sugarcoated it all. So it looks to me like even those people you you try to, you know, put a little hope in or a glimpse of hope uh, like a Manchin, uh, then even that fades away because they they tend to get to those people, and he and and they've spun that every which way in the news cycle with uh, you know the fact that it's now going to be good for the coal industry and going to be good for his area, and there's all lot opportunities to get into these new uh, energies and all a thirty percent kickback or something if you do all of this. So there's all of that there, uh, which is suspect now with Manchin buying into this thing. But there was a little bit of tit for tat on that bill as well that I remember seeing that supposedly he got a little bit back that they were going to be able to do some drilling and do some other things. I guess you give a little bit back and then you take a little bit. That's the kind of thing I guess we're talking about here. So how does that fit into this big piece, I wonder, with uh, w- with the energy debacle that's happening here? And then you have Europe over there and uh and and a whole lot more let's uh let's open this conversation up now and by the way welcome into the voice of a nation here it is malcolm all out here and let's bring on wallace garno joins me now and uh uh wallace your your last piece uh well and actually i'm entitled this i really want to talk about the i, I look at this conversation today as an alarmist conversation uh and really pushing back against the you know in a lot of people say climate alarmism and I'm not even sure if that's the right word anymore. I mean, whenever you tend to use the word climate, I'm realizing a lot of people turn the conversation off immediately or they turn, they don't even read what's there. I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but I just have that sense. Do you, am I wrong? Do you have that sense at all when people, when they bring up climate or climate alarmism or climate energy or any of that to, do people tune that out? Some people I think do tune it out, Malcolm. Uh, I think a lot of people it's, it's like a, like a dog whistle where they hear it and they, they start barking. Um, you look at people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and she gets picked on a lot, so I I almost don't want to use her, but she's such a great example of this. 
it, when she hears the word climate, she just goes off on a rampage. And so you have a lot of people. You now, it's a very easy way to be, particularly for a young person who hasn't studied things a lot or is, doesn't have a lot of life experience or a lot of education. You now, it's very easy to want to to want to 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 change, improve and save the world. And when you can do that just by screaming slogans and, and, and holding up a sign uh, and wearing a vagina hat, you know, it's very it's it's a lot easier to be an alarmist running around with your hair on fire telling the world that the sky is falling than it is to come up with real world solutions to real world problems. Well, so, that's a point that's happening a lot. What you say right there, they're all over the place, Wallace. These uh, these alarmists wearing those hats, as you say, and uh, and acting like screwballs with no answers at all. Right? They don't even understand the conversation. Well, they don't understand the conversation. That really is the dangerous part. You have people that are pure ideologues that are chasing phantoms that don't even really exist. And they want to change the world because they think they need to save the planet, but they don't understand how to create energy. They don't understand how to get food into the supermarket. They don't understand how the complicated systems that they want to rip apart, they don't understand how those those complex systems work. And the idea of taking something as complicated as, say, an energy grid or a food production and distribution system going from farming all the way out Mm -hmm. to eating it on on, on your table... The idea that somebody who knows absolutely nothing about those systems is somehow going to make them better rather than tearing them apart is absolutely asinine. And the idea that you can mandate something like we're just going to reduce our usage of of natural gas by 90 percent and replace it with what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they, They don't get that renewables that the energy sources they're shoving down our, th- <clears throat> our throat, wind and solar, they don't seem to get that you cannot run an energy grid on those because of the variation in, in output. They just simply think if we scream loud enough, somebody will fix this problem for us and we'll ban the, the only solutions that make it possible. I mean, we could switch to we could switch to uh, to to nuclear power. Right, run the right, entire definitely. world on nuclear power. Yeah. You can build plants so that the output from one, the waste, if you will, of one becomes the fuel for the other. Right, right. And and that's got a bad rap because this is one of the safest forms right here. The nuclear power you talked about, it's very affordable, right? That would be an answer, right? Oh, it's incredibly affordable. The only problem with nuclear, and they can make nuclear plants today yeah. that are ridiculously safe. So the concept that's of Chernobyl, we have to get that out of our head. But the, the really cool thing about nuclear is, or the, the interesting thing I should say economically about nuclear, nuclear is much more expensive upfront than natural gas. You're making money off a natural gas plant after about two years. So the initial investment to make money off of natural gas is very, very low. Nuclear takes about 20 years before it crosses the line where it's now profitable compared to a CO2. So a little more investment there. A much bigger investment up front. But after that 20 years, you're printing money. I mean, you make you it's it's so right, cheap right, that it's right. ridiculous. Right. Well, before we you know, we're going down an energy road here, but I want to pause that energy road because, uh, you know, the thing that comes to my mind right now, Wallace, is that we're, you know, all these alternative conversations. We could do this. We could do that. We can flip over three and do move two and raise six. And, you know, but we really there's nothing really wrong with our energy. I mean, and we need CO2 and we need the carbon footprint. So we're sort of arguing in an empty room with a bunch of jackasses. Uh, what are we really trying to accomplish with that? And it's back to the point you just said a moment ago, saving the planet. That's the really bigger point of this whole thing. What are we trying to save and what are we trying to do and why are we changing all this energy? Is that fair? 
That is fair. I think the bigger question is, what truly is the future of the world if we don't change anything? Now, stop right there. That's that's that's, that's perfect. What is the future of the world? Stop right there. As I, now, I want to dial it back, please. And I just I don't want to go too far without asking a couple of things here. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, 15 years ago, 15, 10 years ago, did you believe in depopulation? Did you believe this was a thing that would really happen? I mean, was this real? I'm not convinced it's real today. I know that there are people, it's a different conversation today than it was then. 10 or 15 years ago, that was something from a James Bond. So, right. So when you heard that, so let me just stay with you now. 10, 15 years ago, when you heard that, you, 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 and you did hear that as I did with people on the edges of the various people we might've associated with and others. And I mean, what I would have thought at that point, is in my and uh, tell me if this is how you thought or something different but i thought these people well number one they have a couple of screws loose and number two they have their board in their life they have nothing better to talk about they're clearly a a, a theorist a, a conspiracy theorist and uh this is their thing to talk about this stuff and in fact i tuned it out all the time when those conversations came up i've really never paid attention now was you different than that ben 10 15 years ago or are you in the same boat I was way different than that. I loved James Bond movies, and it seemed like that was the plot line of about a third of them. So, But it was fiction. Nobody in their right mind really believed in depopulating the Earth. So you didn't purely believe it, fiction. Didn't no, believe of course it. not. It was purely fiction. That was the kind of thing that you, well, you say, said of course in a not. James Bond Hold movie. On. Yeah, but you say, of course not. But, but the people I'm talking about did believe it. That wasn't, of course not. They really they, did believe it. They didn't have any political clout 15 or 20 years ago. Nobody listened to them. And it was right. considered such an extreme idea that it just, right. it seemed fanciful. It did not, it was it was realistic enough to put in a Bond film, but nobody thought right. it would go right. further than that. Well, and I wasn't even thinking uh, when I suggested to you my thoughts on it, I wasn't referencing um, a Bond movie because I would have found that very entertaining as well, by the way, uh, loving that sort of thing. Yeah. But that's um, but I'm talking real life stuff here. And when people say this, people were really subscribing to the theory that they were all out to depopulate the planet. Now, fast forward now that we know we both didn't really buy into this 10 years ago, even today. You ju- I think you just made a comment a moment ago. And correct me on this. I think you just said you kind of still almost don't believe it now. Or do you? Where are you now on that? Are you still suspect on it? Or? Well, it's it's we're we're at this weird place where people are starting to make it sound like it's almost a rational conversation. You've got Carl Schwab, for example, going on uh, on, on the TED or the TED program and mm-hmm. and talking about how ninety percent of the world population is becoming completely unnecessary. And one of the big crises that we will have going forward is what do you do with ninety percent of the world population when you simply do not need them? How do you placate them? How do you keep them entertained? And he's talking about you know what we need are lots of drugs. And lots of video games. And 90% of the world's population, we just have to keep them happy enough for, for their lifetimes because we don't need them. We don't have anything for them to do. They have no, there's no benefit to having them. And then you start seeing what they want to do with agriculture. You say, well, if we do those things, how much food can we produce? Everybody talks about energy. No, the real conversation is not energy. The real conversation is agriculture. And now we're going to have to have another conversation about hydrofluorocarbons because now they're going after refrigeration. Mm-hmm. This is These are crazy conversations that we should never have. And incidentally, it was the Christopher Walken Bond film where, where, where he was the bad guy that they wanted to depopulate the earth. Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's a great actor. Um, so you, you take all of these things you're just putting out there. 
what's how how do they add up? What what kind of a, what's the equation of all this? What is what is it? Well, it's 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 interesting because when you look at the rhetoric of the World Economic Foundation or right. of the IPCC or the, these globalist organizations, when you look at the rhetoric, they are they they never use the word depopulation. They never talk about reducing the population. What they do is they talk about 90% of the world population not being necessary and what are we going to do with them and about how this is such a big thing we have to solve, what to do with 90% of the world population. And then they start talking about we have to make these changes in, in how we farm. We have these radical changes in agriculture, like what they're doing in the Netherlands and what they did already in Sri Lanka. And you look at that and you say, okay, let's do a little scientific survey here, a study and see how much food we can produce if we make those changes. And the answer is about 10% of what we need. So, okay, 90% of the population isn't necessary. We're not going to feed 90%. Well, how do they tell us they're going to close this gap? And the answer is that will be challenging. Agriculture is important and it will be mm -hmm. a challenge. Mm -hmm. So they're acknowledging that they have no idea how they're going to feed those 90, that 90% of the human population. They acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. They don't say they're not going to feed them, yeah. but they do say they do not need them. So mm -hmm. what I see is I see logical links between different statements and I see the statement that connects them not being made. Mm -hmm. And I just, I have to ask myself, do they if they don't feel they need to feed those 90% of the human population and they're not going to grow the food to feed that 90% of the human population how close are we to somebody openly saying let them die yeah why do you think we find ourselves arguing the points back that make no sense because i see that happening in a lot of in a lot of op-eds and a lot of commentary and a lot of radio for that matter why are we, we jump to the conclusion, we answer there, they throw us the crazy, you just laid out a bunch of stuff here. They, they throw us the, the, the craziest um, uh, situations and things you can't, you can't uh, put your, your, your mind around these things as you just suggested, you know, they're, they're insane. The, the whole thing is insane. And yet, is this all distraction stuff? Because I find a lot of people, we spend time arguing them back and trying to prove them wrong. Is that what they want, I wonder? Now, just help me here. I'm trying to look at a psychology 101. Is that what they want, I wonder? Back to what you were just talking about, the population, that 80, 90%, which the intellects and the, 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 the planet nerds throw out there, as you say. So... You see what I'm saying? Why do why do we get in and debate though? Are we missing the bigger picture? And why don't we go for the gusto and tell them they're insane to begin with? We don't really give a rat's ass what you're doing. We're keeping our fossil fuels and we're keeping our refrigerators and we're keeping our the uh, our uh, the, uh, the agriculture going and we're keeping our you know we're doing all this. And you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm asking? I, I do know what you're saying. And when we look at groups that people used to think were wild, wild crackpot conspiracies like the right. Bilderberg group, we now know that the people who are going to the Bilderberg group meetings and meetings like that are also the people that are in all of these globalist organizations. So I think it, we, I don't think it's a conspiracy anymore to say that the Bilderberg group for the last however long it, it, it existed was was talking about these things. The problem is they didn't let in the press. They didn't let in the public. Nobody knows what was conversed in those meetings. What you're doing is you're saying, is what we're hearing publicly the real agenda? Right. Or is they a separate agenda that they're not telling us? And this is just working us toward it. And, and what I would say to that is, if I had to, if, if I had to guess 
what the real agenda is, assuming, of course, there is one. If I had to guess what the real agenda is, the one thing that all of these different things that, that are that are that are being done have in common is all of them can be used to control the world population for the global elite. You look at, for example, you know, Farah built the pyramids. Well, how do you build the pyramids? You rounded up millions and millions of people and you forced them to build the pyramids, whether or not they wanted to. Most of them were paid. They were not all slaves, but they would have done other things had Farah not forced them to build the pyramids. When you look at, for example, what the Soviets did in when they in, in Poland at the end of World War II, Warsaw had been razed to the ground. You could not find a brick on top of another brick. The Germans had absolutely razed it to the ground with Russian help, by the way. The Russians paused their advance into Poland for two weeks and told the Germans, we're giving you two weeks to raise Warsaw to the ground because the Polish people had tried to liberate Warsaw themselves. And the Russians were, Stalin, I should say, not the Russian people. Stalin was absolutely, a, just, he was, he was, he was, he was enraged by this. So he actually gave Hitler two weeks to completely destroy Warsaw. Well, what did Stalin do or the Soviets do when they won the war? They went into Poland and they built this giant cultural center, which was which is really the, the center of, of control over Warsaw. You had the Warsaw Politburo that decided the Polish Politburo that met there and, and supposedly decided all these things. But there was also a Soviet Politburo that decided what the what the Polish Politburo was going to decide. So this giant building was a big middle finger pointing at the Polish people saying, we own you. And not just that, but if you look at pictures of when that building was built, was, was finished, and it wasn't finished until the mid-50s. If you look at pictures of that building when it was first finished, the first thing you will notice is that there are absolutely no buildings around it. It is built in this giant pool of rubble that was Warsaw. What that means is the Soviets built that before they rebuilt anything else in the city. So, you know, it's very easy to build a monument that takes 10 mm -hmm. years to build and say, of course, we have a great society. Look at that pyramid. What's hard is to feed people, to clothe people, to house people, and to take care of their basic needs. It is much easier to round people up and point them all toward one thing and, and say, we're great because we were able to do this thing. And by the way, I control you so I can make you do things for me as well. And, and so I'm going to live in opulence and you guys are just mm -hmm. going to do as we're told. So what you're really asking is, if Charles Schwab had complete control over, not Charles Schwab, if Klaus Schwab had complete control over the human population of the earth, what would he have us do for him? I don't know the answer to that. I've never met Klaus Schwab. And it's not just Klaus Schwab. I throw him out as the head of the World yeah, Economic yeah, Forum. Yeah. The UN gives him a tremendous amount of, of a pull. So you're, you're saying the connecting dot of all this. Is it, is it, are you, are you driving to the conclusion that it is depopulation? It's even, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a mixture it of depopulation. I, I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's got to be some kind of mixture of depopulation and control. They're going to reduce the human population. How quickly or how much? Who knows? But they're also okay. we're, we're we're returning to serfdom. We're rebuilding nobility. Well, uh, back to reducing. I mean, you have to admit a, a part of that's already been done with COVID. The COVID exercise is clearly reducing population. Correct. Yep, that's yep. correct. So that played into that. And the and the policies of COVID were as insane as the policies you're talking about on the energy side, correct? That's also correct. Yeah. So and we were told we didn't have a choice, do it or die. That's it. So these are we're, we're, there's a parallel for you right there, the insanity of the moment. Let's call it and that's why a lot of us, and you know, I've talked to plenty of prominent people on this network and they they have no idea, they couldn't put heads or tails as to what was really going on with COVID. I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, that finium, uh, the, the edges of the earth, and people still really couldn't get their 
you know, their arms around what were they trying to accomplish, uh, even to this moment, the, the, the best of the best, because it's illogical. It's illogical. It makes no sense whatsoever. And th so there's a parallel situation there. Does that feed into this bigger narrative? Now, let's take Europe for and Let's jump over to what I started with a bit ago on Europe, Wallace. Uh, and, you know, I, I assume we're going to know soon enough. Uh, we're going to have a sense uh, soon enough uh, whether this is all just fairy tale dust or whether, uh, and, and you know, whether there's anything more to this thing with the alarmists. Let's looking at the Europe footprint right now and what happens with Russia. We know that Russia is now turning off uh, all of the energy sources and the pipelines. We know all of this was set up. That Trump warned them about this. They did it anyways. Uh, Angela Merkel is going to go down as one of the most stupidest politicians in Europe there ever was. And Macron is right behind her. This is some of the biggest idiots uh, to really walk the planet. Uh, or not, or maybe they're in with Schwab in that room there that you're talking about that I always talk about there. I don't really know. But I'm asking now with Europe and the way that looks right there, do you do you see, you know, uh, well, a couple options can happen here, Wallace. Do they come begging to Biden and Biden forcing him to start to drill it again and send an energy over and because they desperately need it, their people are dying by the millions and they don't quite know what to do? Or, uh, I mean, is that a scenario? Or do these people just all die and that's it? And then how does that hit the front page of the Times? I wonder at that point, what does that look like in real world terms? Or does this thing, is there another answer that comes in and we were just blowing this out of proportion and this was really a nothing event and everything will be fine for the winter months? Because I'm seeing reports from experts who really legitimately think and believe that millions of people are at risk right this moment and are going to die in Europe due to this energy fiasco. What do you think of all that? Well, it's, it's a very personal question for me. My mother-in-law lives in, in Poland and uh, we're right now, you know, she's not asking us for money and she's telling us she doesn't want money, but we're looking at the cost of coal. Most of Poland still actually is coal furnaces. So here you've got this 80 year old woman who a dump truck every year comes up. She wasn't 80 all the time. She is, is pushing it now and just dumps off all this coal in her front yard. And then she shovels it into the basement and that's what she uses to heat her house. Over is the she having any trouble getting the energy now yet or no? Well, she hasn't actually bought the coal for this winter yet. She's just in the process now of doing that. Okay. But the cost of coal in Poland, if you can get it, is four times normal. If you can get it. Four times normal. Now, what if she can't get it? What happens? Then she doesn't heat her house. That's that's the point. I just said moments ago here. So, so if you can get it, it's going to be the cost is exorbitant. And how many of those people can afford that out there, Wallace? Well, that's exactly it. People are in a, you know, not everybody has all of this extra income just laying around looking for something to do. So people are making choices. Do I heat my house or do I feed my family? And then you start seeing the changes they want to make in agriculture. And lucky me that I even have that choice to make now. In a few years, the answer may be neither one. Right. So, so now, so what, what is, what's your sense about what, what happens with the scenario? How does this play out? I mean, in real world terms, in your opinion, does, does the fury, I mean, the fury godmother show up? Is there fury dust somewhere around this thing? Or have I, they dug the hole so deep now there's no way to get out of it? Well, that's a great question. And I talk in the article about this push and this pull between the people that are saying we have to radically change agriculture and we, we have to radically change energy. And, and, and then you have the 90% of the people that won't survive if we do these things. And you're going to have this push and pull because the 90% of the population is not just going to roll over and die. 
they're going to take to the streets, they're going to riot, they're going to do all of these other things. And threatening to overthrow governments, as they did in Sri Lanka, will force governments to listen to them. So we're going to have this push and pull where governments retract our ability to survive, and then the people take to the streets, and then the government says, okay, we'll, we'll back down a little bit, and then the public is placated, and then they start to die again, and they take to the streets, and then they're placated. We're going to have this push and this pull. Sure. Where where you you have the, the you have the the nobility, if you will, on the one side saying we're not going to feed you anymore, and you're not going to have heat anymore or air conditioning if you're in the south, and you have the people that will die from these policies that will push back, but they're not going to push back until the pain is bad enough, which means and it takes time to build energy. You don't just snap your fingers yeah. and the lights come on. You have to find the sources. You have to possibly build. Right. Plant. So that puts them in a very difficult situation right now in Europe because they can't do that in the next three, four months. Right. No, so, no. They, so I asked you the question. So the answer then was they dug a hole and they're in that hole right now. I mean, they played the most stupid politics. I mean, don't you think Merkel and Macron were absolutely ridiculous what they did with Russia? Yes. Yes, what happened with Russia is is you no. Know, they, I get it. We don't want Russia invading Ukraine, um, but at the same time, you have economic realities in how you handle situations. You like don't kill that. your people in the process. Well, you see, Malcolm, I can solve what's going on in in Ukraine in in thirty seconds. I can solve that in thirty seconds. The solution to Ukraine is so crystallized. It's so very very obvious that it, that this is not a difficult thing to solve. Russia is losing in Ukraine. They want out of Ukraine. The problem is that Putin is a strong arm leader. He can't leave unless he looks like he won. All we have to do is give him an honorable out so he can tell his people he won. So he can say, look at how I, you know, we, we did this successfully. All we have to do is give him a way out. He wants out. Well, uh, Wallace, to your point, if you recall back in programs, Back, uh, what, five, six months ago, that's exactly what I said, even before this he was boiling up. And I've been that, saying that to you for that whole, I, I disagree. They didn't give him an out. They, yeah. Remember, all the times I they didn't, they never gave him an out. There's no, Just, in fact, the words I used, Wallace, is there was no off-ramp. They didn't you know, give an off-ramp. They didn't give an off-ramp. But here's how you solve Ukraine, and you could solve it in 30 seconds. You go to Putin, and you say, if you leave Ukraine, leave it alone. Ukraine is, is yeah. off. You can keep the Crimean Peninsula. Ukraine wants the Crimean Peninsula. They don't want to give it up, but they do want to exist as a nation. And if they give up, the thing about the Crimean Peninsula is that the ports in the Crimean are oh, the yeah. only warm water ports yeah. the Soviet Union had access they're to. They're valuable as hell. Yeah. Well, they're a landlocked country in the winter without it. Well, well, and let's that was all on Obama's watch there. So that that's a foregone conclusion. What's taking place there? I mean, what Russia's not giving that back. Well, then, uh, so so you tell them that Ukraine is going to let you have it as long as you leave the rest of Ukraine. And then the other piece of the negotiation right, right. is you allow Ukraine to enter the United Nations, but they signed a treaty with you whereby they never join NATO. They are permanently barred from well, NATO. This is what uh, this is what an absence of foreign policy looks like. This is what an absence of leadership looks like. This is what uh, my golly, we've been predicting for. <laughs> Uh, like back in the 2020 race, if you put this man and these people in office, this will happen. And of course, a lot of you out there, I mean, not probably my listening audience, but a lot of people out there laughed and yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, but we don't like Trump, so we're going to do whatever. And But that's exactly, we were talking about all this. It's, it's yes, real, we were. It's happening in real term, in real life now. It's real world here, what's happening here, uh, to be sure. Um it, before I turn the uh, page here on a couple of things here, 
if this all back to your your mother-in-law, I think you said, right? In um uh Europe, correct? Yeah, she's in Poland. Okay, all right, in, in Europe, right, in Poland, yeah. And um now with pe- the people there and they're paying four times the cost of energy. And this is uh this is sort of a thing you really need to pay attention, friends here, living in our country, thinking that, you know. Uh, you know whether you think it matters or not, because this this is all this is this this, this is the footprint of what's going to happen here. This this is happening everywhere. No, it's going to be much worse. Yeah, right. I think so. And if these, she were on natural gas instead of coal, she'd be paying yeah. ten or twenty times. The, yeah. the, the the rates for natural gas are sky high. Well, I just find a lot of people here turn the page and they think it doesn't matter because it's in Poland or freaking Europe or Pluto or Mars. It doesn't really affect my life. People are silly that way, Wallace. They only think it affects their life when you know they're in that dire straits situation. Or as I always say, they hear the boots walking down the street in the neighborhood, and then you really quickly realize you're in a barrel of trouble here. So that energy debacle, to close that loop here, uh, if everything plays out the way it is, people, even if they could get it, well, all right, if money was not an object and those people had the four times the cost, there's not enough energy for these people to get, correct? That's correct. Okay, so, all right, so... So what happens to the rest of those people? There's no energy. Is that correct? That's correct. And so they can't heat their homes and they can't do their thing, right? That's what it looks like, correct? I that's mean, also nothing. correct. So if all that's true, that's the moment uh, of friction right there. What happens? Do they come crawling to Biden, Joe Biden and his cabal and say, hey, uh, can you turn the lights on, please? We need some help here. Do you see that as a plausible thing or no? Well, here's that's such an interesting question, because if they were to make that deal, I just said to Putin, he would take it. Zelensky didn't fight Putin until Putin invaded again. So Zelensky clearly is is, is willing to give up the Crimea to save the rest of the country. Sure, sure. If you give that deal to Putin, he'll turn the natural gas back on. So they could have natural gas tomorrow if they were simply willing to end the war. What do they really want? Maybe, maybe I, I, I don't know how simple that simple uh, explanation is, but it's probably not going to happen. Okay, no, it's not. But it, uh, how, so let's take that off the table. Get back to where I was, please. Forget Russia a moment. Come back to where I was. What happens there, brother? Do you think they do? They, do you think they succumb and plead with Biden to do that, or do they? Do the people die? What, well, of course you? they're going to both. Of course they're going to plead with Biden to get okay. the to get Biden to send more natural gas over there at our expense. That means we're going to pay ten times okay. as much to heat our houses as well. Okay. So of course they're going to go to Biden and do that. Well, yeah. okay, yeah, of course. I don't know any of this is of course, but that's why I'm asking the question. So, uh, but you believe that's going to happen then? It could very well happen. It's a, but, it's a plausible thing. Okay. What's going to happen is that as the deaths mount across Europe, the European leaders are going to get more and more desperate to find a way to keep their jobs okay. to okay. prevent being the next Sri Lanka. The only place they can go is Joe Biden right now. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I, I've been trying to get from you here. Now, you just said it right there. Thank you. And that's what I think is correct from what I see here. Now, if that happens, um, then that's going to piss off all of his green alarmists, isn't it? And, and here, Biden, they'll be ticked, right? In, well, what we'll have to try to do is we'll have if, if we if we do it the way the green people want, what we'll have right. to do is we'll have to supply Europe with natural gas while continuing to cut back on how much natural gas we're producing. Mm, we cannot both we cannot both fuel the world with natural gas and stop producing natural gas. Something's going to have to get. Yeah, something's something has to, to get. get. All right, with with all that now, uh, and is is it, do we think it's possible? And I imagine it could be. That the Biden administration, uh, the Biden regime, the cabal, whatever they are, 
that they say back, well, I just can't help you, man. I'm sorry. You know, like, uh, you know, we got these people we got to answer to over here and we just don't have the energy. We got our people here. Problem. Uh, you're on your own, kids. So does that happen? Could that could that happen? I don't think so. I think we're going to see the same push and pull here. I think the saving grace of being an American is that by and large, we're less willing to die than the Europeans are. And as a consequence, when you look at the real question, Malcolm, is how many millions of people have to die before the people force the government to reverse course? Well, and I think that number here is probably lower than it is in Europe. Well, and which brings me to my point with you right now is that do you suspect, Don't straight question, uh, with all that said, and if Biden does or doesn't, and does that get there in time and people still don't have the money, and uh, is it safe to say that based on all these scenarios, whatever happens, a certain amount of people appear to be going to be die in Europe this winter. Is that a correct statement or is that erroneous? I would say that's a correct statement. The only way to save a lot of the people in Europe today would be to have massive global warming so that it stays, so that there is no winter. Yeah. Now, maybe we could get people to plead and beg for the global warming. Oh, man, you you simply can't make this stuff up, friends. You simply cannot. What an interesting conversation, Wallace Garneau. Man, oh, wow. You just can't make this stuff up, I'm telling you here. Uh, so now we got to plead to the gods, uh, the, the, you know, the tech gods or the... Uh, uh, the, the mountain gods or some other kind of gods, whoever they may be, not God Almighty, but you know what I'm talking about here, friends, and plead for some sort of a global warming, because God himself is not going to give global warming. This I'm fairly certain of, okay? Uh, of course, he thinks this is all a laughing stock anyways. He's sitting back there laughing at all of us. Uh, they look like a bunch of jackasses here. Uh, ants trying to, you know, the ant mound when the you know the ants build the mound and the ant the mound blows up and all the ants run around with their heads cut off ah! and they run all over the place and that's exactly the way I look at the way they're looking down at us now. Whoever's looking at us, and by the way, these UFO sightings lately, if these people are the superior beings and they're here and they're all over the place, they got to be. We got to be their ants. We got to, like, which is another way of saying we're their bitches, basically. But we got to be their ants. And we're scrambling all over. They're, they're having a good time and they're coming in and out of the water. You've been hearing those reports, right? In and out of the water and flying faster than the speed of the sound of what? The sound, so much, I, whatever the numbers are, they're startling for the, for the human brain. Uh, wow. Uh, I remember seeing the cartoon as a kid, underdog. Dun, 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 underdog. Right? All the way through, man. You know? Man, what? I'd give anything to take those underdog days back again, my fellow Americans, to be sure with you. I kind of like those simpler days, playing baseball on the sandlot. And all we were worried about is the Soviet Union and their uh, accusation or uh, threat of a nuclear bomb. It was a much milder uh, program back then. <laughs> or the, the Bay of Pigs down in Cuba. I mean, nothing much going on, right? Hmm. Wow. But things are really seem to be coming unraveling. At the moment here, and I don't want you to lose sight of this saving the planet, save the planet. There's something more with that planet business. I've kind of, you know, I, I want to take the climate out of some of this conversation because I feel the climate is a real turnoff and like, so, all right, whatever. That's just the scapegoat debate they're using to argue everything. OK, the, the climate, the climate, you know, it's like, shut up, you know, I mean, uh, you know, but I, I think that's just that. It's far more than this. And let's not, and maybe we need to start, you know what? Let's start doing what the left does. Let's let's make our own vocabulary, okay? All right, fair enough. Let's start changing shit as we go. No, but just because. And we'll just do opposite things just to confuse them and 
you know, baffle them. Not, would not be kind of, why don't we play their own game, man? So right now, this is really a, a planet's alarmist, uh, alarmism. They're after the planet. They're, they don't really care about the climate. The climate is just a tool. It doesn't really mean anything, okay? Uh, the, you know, it doesn't take an Einstein to figure out, friends, that this planet has been evolving since the get-go, okay? Since the get-go was here and this thing popped up, zoom, here I am. It's been evolving. And this thing has been changing all kinds of weather patterns over the uh, m millennia. It's been a bing and a bing. I mean, it's constant, constant, constant. Cold, hot. Yeah, I mean, imagine the dinosaurs must have been bitching back there too, you know? I mean, that, that's what it is. It's everything. You know, what difference does it make, right? I don't know, man. I'll tell you what. In the meantime, let me just remind you all to use nasal hygiene. What a great segue that is to keep your noses clean. Now you got to keep your nose. Remember that as a kid, they say keep your noses clean, or what's that? What it was like? Mind your own noses, or mind your own business. Right? I mean, stay uh, keep your nose out of somebody's business. That was it. That was it. Keep your noses out of somebody's business. I never did the nose. I never really got involved in a lot of people's business, so I didn't really have that problem. That was sort of you know. Like, whatever. I don't do gossip kind of stuff. I don't really like that. But the nose thing is important. Oh, I was on nasal hygiene. Yeah. So the nose thing is a problem. These allergies, these contagions, these pathogens, these viruses, these superbugs, these all these things, they find their ways into our noses. This is how we catch the common cold, the flu, all of this stuff, all this crap we get. I mean, the flu sits all through the... And it's, kind of, it's kind of sick, actually, that at this point of time, that we wash our hands with soap, yeah, we lather them up just like I'm doing right now with my hands, you know, rubbing them all together, right? And then, but we never told anybody to wash their nose, right? I mean, we told you to mind your own nose, mind your own business, wash your nose, keep it out of my business, but never wash your nose. And that was the whole secret of this thing all along, friends, is washing your nose. Hmm. So when's the last time you used Cofix RX? That's made with povidine iodine or clear, X-L-E-A-R with the xylitol. Well, both of these products are incredible and they absolutely kill uh, those problems. The, the colds, the influenzas, the flu, SARS-CoV-2, uh, pathogens, superbugs, you name it, it kills it flat. So I recommend we start to clean our noses, okay? And also keep your nose out of other people's business as well. It's just a good life lesson to have, unless it's the alarmists, of course, and we're fighting them, then we want to know what's going on, right? Of course. Anyways, Cofix RX is available through cofixrx.com forward slash out loud. 20% off. Use the code out loud. Or as I always tell you, right? Click the banner ads back at America Out Loud. They're handy. They're right there. They don't flash all over the place and videos and X's. We don't do any of that crap. They're right there. You go seek them, find them out if you want them and click it and it's yours. Okay. And get the discount that way. These are products that elevate your life. Uh, Clear is available in uh, oh, pharmacies, uh, grocery stores, all over the country. Uh, it's a phenomenal product. Um, these are both very, very good companies. Uh, I, I, I like both products a lot. Bottom line is get something for yourself. You can order uh, Cofix RX online, uh, the other through the other. But, but there's a lot of research behind this too. And even the clear, if you click it, you'll get all kinds of great information. Be informed is what I'm saying to you. Be informed. And now, with not knowing what next virus they're going to be throwing at any of us, or what kind of pox is headed our way, have some of this with you handy, okay? Have it handy. And, and that's the way to do it, friends. Uh, let's take a quick pause, and we'll rejoin with uh, Wallace Garneau in just a moment, and we'll fight the alarmists back here. You're listening uh, to the voice of a nation. 
Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, my fellow Americans and my dear friends around the globe. And you know, I think it was yesterday or the day before I said to you, welcome back, Cotter. Remember, I was going to say, welcome back, welcome back, Cotter. That was a show back at the time there, right? All those little sitcoms. Remember, that was the, the era of sitcoms. And uh, they were like a half hour show. Remember, all of, all, there was so many, all in the family. Uh, There's so many, I don't even remember that. It was like crazy. Uh, but anyways, welcome here. We're not at Cotter's place, but we're on the voice of a nation. Here it is, Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly. Uh, privileged to be with you always, my friends. Saving the planet, the alarmist, planet's alarmism. Uh, let's remove the word climate. And really, I'm really entitled in this. I don't know why, but pushing back against the planet's alarmist. That's kind of where I started in my mind before the mic went hot today. And I thought, you know, you know this whole thing where they want to save the planet, save the planet. Well, the planet kind of don't need saving, but the people on the planet need saving from the idiots and from the alarmists who are clearly uh, taking all of this out of context. 
Um, Wallace Garneau joins me as an interesting op-ed. You know, I love his writing. He's got some of the greatest pieces. He always makes me think. I hope uh, you're enjoying them as well. But, you know, it's just sometimes good to do a little dot connecting. You know what I mean? And see where we're at exactly. And uh, so, uh, by, by the way, Wallace is a, a very successful author. And uh, his book, uh, I just want to fail to mention that to you. The American Outlaw Bookstore is very cool, by the way. If you go up to the nav bar and click bookstore, uh, just went through a whole revamp, new database, new everything. Uh, sell a lot of books in there. And uh, Wallace's book uh, is uh, called The Way Forward, Lean Leadership and Systems Thinking for Large and Small Businesses. Okay. And uh, so take a look at that. That's in the bookstore as well. Um, and the recent op-ed was uh, really a piece that made you think again. And it's entitled Alarmism 101. How many people can the earth support? And you can catch that on the uh, front page of AmericaOutloud.com, uh, my friends. Um, in this um, here, Wallace, you say, we'll talk about saving the planet a moment here. You say what will happen is that alarmists will demand changes to save the planet. And then as those changes are rolled out, costs will explode and lifestyles will collapse, causing riots. To quell the riots, governments will roll back some of the changes. We're going to have a push and pull, which you kind of said that, very much alluded to that before the pause. Between the desires of the elites uh, and to go green and the demand of the masses to survive. That's a hell of a look, isn't it? Position to be in. This push and pull will keep our nations unstable, unhappy, and impoverished. Uh, for the most part, that is. But alive. Hmm. There will be deaths for sure, as we've just talked about today in the broadcast. We're likely going to see several million Europeans die this winter. Well, you said it right there, due to a lack of heat. But we will not see billions of deaths as the masses will continuously rise up to demand change whenever these deaths start to mount. So, Wallace, when we talk about the alarmism 101, we talk about the alarmists, and I get the climate, you know, we know that's just a tool being used, and now they're using agriculture, they're using energy, they're using all kinds of things. And just like we did with COVID, we connect dots and we see there's a problem there. You sort of think, I mean, you are you don't think in theories like I don't. I mean, we're very much um, common that way. And I asked you the question to start with 10, 15 years ago. Did you ever, you said, no, just in a James Bond film, but that's it, Malcolm. Yeah, it was funny, but <laughs> but not real life stuff. It was just a gag, not really happening. But that's kind of the way I felt, exactly. Uh, it, was, it was a gag. But a lot of people were, eat, were eating those cornflakes back in the day. Um, well, I have to tell you, Wallace, in full confession, it looks like maybe they were right and I was the fool. I don't know. What do you say to that? Is that true? It's yes and no. I don't think there was any way to know 10 or 15 years ago that we were ever going to get to a point where somebody on the world stage would make a rational argument for eliminating 90% of the human population. And it's not really a rational argument because it's predicated on assumptions we know not to be true. But if you agree with the assumptions that the argument starts with, all now a lot of arguments that are that are, are false arguments, it's not the logic of the argument that is false. It's the assumptions that you start with. You can make a very rational argument for eliminating 90% of the world population as long as you start with a false assumption that the alternative is losing 100% of the world population. Hmm. 
And that's kind of what they're doing is they're saying, if we don't radically change how we live on this globe today, not tomorrow, it's no longer that it's 10 years out. It's now today. If we don't radically change today, we're all going to die. And they're not saying we're going to die. They're saying people who are not born yet are going to die. They're going to die 100 or 200 years out. All right. Right. All right. Now, follow me on this here now. Uh, with what you say right there, uh, you know, I'm thinking back that we've got to stop compromising with these people. The only way to fight fire with fire is to fight fire. And I'm talking about the alarmist. Is that an accurate statement? Do you agree with that? We have to make sure that nobody that believes in climate alarmism ever holds public office again. Right. And then, and then some. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That helps what you just say there. But I think one of the cancers here and the dangers I want to wake people up to, and I also want to push back a little bit on your piece a little bit, or at least have a couple of moments to engage with you on, because it's the art of compromise. When it comes to, uh, you know, the art of compromise in, in political circles and in government can be a very artful thing, no doubt about it, okay? But we're not talking about some sort of an art, artful policy here. We're talking about really the end of human life if we continue to play the way we're playing in that ant, ant pile I just talked about, as confused as people are. Human beings are a strange breed, people, I'll tell you. But you, I want to read this statement. When it come, I think part of what I'm detecting, Wallace, and I want you to think more about this, even, even after the program today a little bit, but I, I think I'm finding people on the right, not only do we play with their screwed up language, but we fight their arguments and debates and I look at a lot of this as distractions on the lower level. We're being distracted in the ant pile. The ant pile is a mess. And like I said, they're looking at us and laughing. And here we are. And you say in the piece here, we do not have to endure any pain. Well, that's for sure. We can tell these bastards to go to hell. Uh, that I, That's me talking now, not the piece. I just want to state that obvious with your friends. But you say we do not have to endure any pain. You go on to say... <clears throat> If we simply work toward eliminating the use of coal or continue to find cleaner ways to use coal and focus on natural gas and nuclear as our primary energy sources until such time that legitimate alternatives are available. We can reduce CO, but I don't want to reduce CO2 levels. This is what really irritates me, but I don't want to reduce CO2 levels. I want CO2 levels. I want them high, just where they belong. So everything's green and beautiful and we can breathe. Everything's carbon. It's all good. So I don't want to reduce that stuff. Such reductions are not necessary. And you say it right here, but they are possible. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, po po possible. I don't know. Maybe we'll all walk around outside with oxygen tanks. There's no green left. But we're living in the world the alarmists want to live in. But no, you say that even to do what the alarmists claim to want, we're going to have to drag the alarmists along kicking and screaming the whole way. One have to wonder, based on the fact that the alarmists want to ban the very technologies that make their CO2 less vision possible. What is it exactly that the globalists are after? It's clearly not a greener world. So what is it? You really got me thinking with that paragraph. Okay, so I appreciated it, but it got me really thinking. Now you see where I'm at, Wallace. And it got me thinking about the ant pile. And it got me thinking about what we're doing here and fighting these alarmists. And it got me thinking about these arguments and this climate stuff and how we're doing it. And I think we're fighting the wrong arguments. And so when you look at all this and you say we don't have to do any pain, well, I would agree with that. And the CO2 levels, we're arguing in, in the form of stupidity. It's really an empty argument. I mean, isn't this really insane? And, and doesn't this really bring back to what you and I were just talking about? With the fact that, you know, years ago, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't believe this was really happening. 
We didn't think it was real. Here we are now. We got a lot of dot connecting going on and something's happening here. And you just say, whatever they're after, it isn't a greener world. Well, I think there's only so many other things they can be after. Uh, Wallace, you would agree with that. So talk to me about this not compromising. Why don't we start to push back? And let me give you the, the last bit of time here on the floor here to discuss it. But stay focused on what I'm talking about, please. Uh, and what do you think about that? Can, can we fight this in a better way? Is this a better way to do it? Am I, am yeah, I, I, think, anything? I think what I was trying to illustrate with that paragraph was not so much that we could make a CO2, a world without CO2 production. I think what I was trying to illustrate is that that's clearly not really the goal because the technologies that could do it are no, are, that's yeah, I applaud you. You were talking about the insanity of it. Insanity. Yes, yes, and, yes. And I got you, I got your sarcasm. You do that very well in your writings for sure. But here, I'm now saying a lot of people are compromising. I'll pick it up from there. Let's talk about compromising because you opened with Joe Manchin. And what Joe Manchin is trying to do is to be a centrist. He's trying to say, here are the extremes, and I'm going to be the wise voice in the middle. The problem is that you and I were not considered extremists back in the mid-90s when you know we were, we were pushing for right. – we, we were not considered extremists 20, 30 years ago. We haven't really moved. What's moved is the left, and the left has been moving to the left yeah. further and further and further and further. At some point, the middle between the two sides, if one side keeps moving and the other side doesn't, at some point, the middle becomes extreme. And that's what's happening, is they're going so far off to the left that the people that are trying to be the middle child that try to keep everybody at peace and say, can't we all just get along? They're becoming extremists, too, because in order to stay in the middle, when the middle just keeps running left... You have to, we can't compromise. We have to win. Yeah. You nailed it right there. You nailed it. Yeah. Case closed. Let's go home. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you were that easy. Yeah, I know. But you nailed the argument right there, man. That's exactly it. I mean, uh, and yet we, we, we continue. I mean, we're looking at this thing a little differently today, but I think it's a fascinating conversation. It got me thinking a lot about that ant pile, but, and I, I really get the sense of that Wallace, that we, you know, we're running around with our heads cut off and and we're we're buying into their arguments and we're fighting back these useless discussions. And and even the scientists are doing it. Do you see that as well? The scientists are even people on our network are doing it and they're fighting back the arguments, which makes good fodder, good for talk radio and all that kind of stuff. But it's really nonsensical. It's all ridiculous. We have to win the hearts and minds of the people, which is difficult to do when the media is in um, is a part of the cabal. Sucks, doesn't it? I, yeah, it's it's a conundrum. How do you win the argument when the argument is not allowed to be put forth in front of the people? It's such always a privilege to have somebody at the caliber of a Wallace Garneau. We've had some terrific people on all week long, but you, you see when you've got Wallace on, you, you really can have a very thoughtful, uh, provoking conversation that roughs up the edges just a little bit to get us to think outside the realm. That's really what I want to do here. But that's the whole nature of this show is to get us to think outside all of those expected outcomes and look at what the possibilities could be. Uh, help me do that here so we can continue to peel this thing and look at ways that other people are not. And please do surely begin to share the out loud truth, as many of you are doing. It's all back at americaoutloud.com. God bless you all. I wish you a jump in your step. And thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's a big one. It's time to get involved and get loud. America.